Thank you so much, Marie. And by the way, for those who may not be familiar with Kids Rock, uh, that's our church for elementary age children that would normally be in our gym during both services on Sunday morning. So we look forward to the day when kids will be able to enjoy that again. So fantastic time of worship and learning scripture uh, for elementary age kids. Thank you all for being with us this morning, uh, both here in the sanctuary and joining us online. We really appreciate that so very much. Thank you also to those who came early this morning, 9.15 to 9.45. There was a group of 20-some people praying out on our patio. We're going to continue that, weather permitting, on our patio each week. So if you'd like to come and join us just to pray in little clusters or walking around, and then you can join us here or go back home and watch the service uh, with the live stream. Um, but thanks for those who are praying for our church. For those who are here in our worship service today, just a reminder to please keep your mask on throughout the service. Uh, some are coming to our service because they have the understanding that this is a service where we do require masks to be uh, worn uh, during the entire service. So uh, there's a special concern, especially for those among us who are caring maybe for an elderly parent or driving them to a doctor's appointment. So if you would, please keep the mask on throughout the service. We'd really appreciate it. And then finally, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper. And if you'd like to stop by our church this week, right inside the uh, main door near the office or under the drive-through door discipleship center, you can pick up communion elements, or you may just want to be prepared by having some bread and juice at your house. Well, we continue this morning with our series that we've called One Story. We're looking at the unity of the Bible, the way Old and New Testaments fit together to form a unified whole, revealing God's great one-story plan of redemption for His people. We've been through the Old Testament starting in January. We've now been through the four Gospels, and today we get to the remarkable book of Acts. It's sometimes known as the Acts of the Apostles. I think it might be better uh, known as the Acts of the Holy Spirit through His people. The author of the book of Acts was Luke, the same one who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And the book of Acts begins with these words. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, in the Gospel of Luke, he's writing, I dealt with everything Jesus began to do and teach. Now in the book of Acts, he's going to deal with what Jesus continues to do and teach through his people, the church, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is more than just a book of history. It is that. It does give us an accurate history of the early Christian church, but it gives us much more. It gives us patterns for the way the Holy Spirit has worked through his people. Years ago, I did a study of the book of Acts and read through the book several times looking for those particular patterns that indicated ways God was at work through his people. And I want to share those with you very, very briefly. The first one has to do with the Word of God or the Word of the Lord. I counted approximately 100 times that there was a reference in the book of Acts to the Word of God, the Word of the Lord, or there was a direct quote from Scripture or reference to Moses and the prophets. The book of Acts is saturated 
with early Christians relying upon teaching, preaching, proclaiming, believing the Word of God, that which is given to us as Scripture. And all they had was what we know as the Old Testament. Second thing that appeared frequently in the book of Acts was prayer. I counted 20 or 21 references to prayer or accounts of people praying in the book of Acts. 13 of these were corporate prayer. People praying together like some of you were doing out on our uh, patio outdoors this morning before the service. Eight of these were regular times of prayer. People going to the temple at the hour of prayer. Early church was focused on prayer. Third pattern in this book was unity of believers. Statements like they were all in one accord in one place. Doesn't mean there weren't disagreements. The book of Acts records some dissension, some differences between uh, Christians, but they resolved those and there was unity amongst the believers. Another pattern found throughout the book was evangelism. The word evangelism comes from the New Testament word uh, euangelion, which is gospel. It means good news. And evangelism is just sharing, proclaiming the good news of Jesus, sharing it with people who haven't heard it. And this is from beginning to end in the book of Acts. The spreading of the gospel, not just through apostles, but everybody going everywhere spreading the gospel of Jesus. It's also related to missions. The book of Acts records the gospel going out through believers, going throughout the world to unreached areas and world missions. Related to this then, a pattern in the book of Acts is persecution persecution of the early Christians who were going about spreading the name of Jesus. And they were persecuted for one thing, and that was their devotion to the name of Jesus and preaching his gospel, proclaiming his word. There's persecution of believers throughout the book of Acts. Finally, the mighty power of the Holy Spirit working through believers. I counted 44 times in the book of Acts, there was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit we might call a gift of the Holy Spirit, a demonstration of His power at work through His people. That would include healings, miracles, tongues, prophecy, a vision, manifestations of God's power. Behind these gifts, behind the teaching of God's Word in the book of Acts, behind all of the prayer, behind the oneness of believers, behind the evangelism happening and the spreading of the gospel and missions was the Holy Spirit, the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. Luke ended the gospel of Luke with Jesus saying to his disciples, Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He had already told his disciples they were to take the gospel of the world, but he said, wait, stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So as we get into the book of Acts, that is precisely what they were doing. The first chapter tells us that there were 120 of them, men and women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' own uh, brothers as well, gathered in an upper room, and they were praying. What happened? What happened? 
The beginning of chapter 2 in Acts tells us, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this was the time of the great Jewish feast of Pentecost. And because of that, there were people in Jerusalem from nations all over the place, and they had come to worship in Jerusalem, and they heard the 120 speaking of the mighty works of God, but in their own languages. Remarkable miracle was taking place. The people were struck by this, saying, how is it we hear people speaking in our own languages the mighty works of God? They were perplexed, they were amazed, but some mocked. And in light of that, Peter stands up and begins to speak. Now keep in mind, this is the Apostle Peter, who just several weeks before had denied Jesus. Had denied Jesus three times because he was afraid he might be persecuted, rejected. Now he stands up and preaches before 3,000 people with great, great boldness. What accounts for the difference? Well, he'd seen the resurrected Jesus. That was important. But furthermore, he'd been in that upper room when, as Jesus said, you will be clothed with power from on high when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Peter was there. Now the power of the Holy Spirit is at work through Peter. And this morning for our passage, I'd like to look at the beginning of the remarkable sermon Peter preaches. We won't read the whole thing because it's quite long. It begins in Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And now Peter's going to say, what you see happening here, this is what Joel predicted And his prophecy is found in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. Quote, And in the last days it shall be, God declares. Now, if we read Joel's prophecy, if you go back and read it, Joel simply says, Afterwards I will pour out upon my spirit upon all flesh. Peter's giving an inspired interpretation of those words in saying, In the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sometimes people will say to me, look at what is happening in the world around us right now. I mean, earthquakes, wars, uncertainty everywhere. Don't you think we're in the last days? And my response to that would be, yes, I think we are in the last days. And I think we've been in the last days for about 2,000 years. Because Peter said, this is that. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Commentator John Stott writes, With the Spirit's coming, the last days have come. Certainly, Jesus did speak of special signs that would occur with increasing frequency as his return neared. One of the clearest to me is that Jesus said, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. And that's happening pretty quickly. 
the gospel being translated and made available and all the ethne, the nations, the ethnicities of the world, the different languages of the world. So Peter says, we're in the last days. And then notice what else he says. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters, he notes. Now, this is interesting. These Jewish folks probably considered the spirit of God might work through a priest and they were all male. But Peter says, now the spirit of God is going to work through your sons and daughters, male and female, young men and old men, old and young. He goes on to say, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So you see what he's saying? The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out upon men and women, young and old, different social classes, all people who will turn to Jesus Christ and believe, and they shall prophesy. Now, to prophesy, I think the word bank, the word prophecy is used to refer to spirit-empowered speech. Speech empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're empowered to help others call on the name of the Lord. Peter writes, I'll show wonders in the, Peter says, and I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Spirit, in other words, is empowering all believers to live and speak in such a way that others may call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Now, the Holy Spirit is behind this power as we see it in the book of Acts. And I'd like to begin this morning by raising a very simple question, a basic question. Who is the Holy Spirit? And I'd like to see how that's answered, especially in the book of Acts. First of all, the Holy Spirit is God. The biblical teaching or the doctrine, and that's all the word doctrine means, is a biblical teaching, is that God is the Trinity. God is triune. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. In Acts chapter 5, there's an interesting thing that happens. People were selling various properties and bringing the money to the apostles because there were needs in the early Christian church. This wasn't something that was mandated, wasn't something they had to do. Some chose to do it. And a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira chose to do this, but they decided to deceive the apostles. They wanted to sell their piece of land, but they wanted to keep a chunk of the money, but, but let everybody think they'd given all the money. And so in Acts 5, we read that Peter says to Ananias, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. I'll remind you what he just said. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And now he says, you've not lied to man, but you've lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. And friends, you and I should treat the Holy Spirit with the greatest possible reverence and respect. You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said something that is so striking to me. He's talking about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And he says, if anyone speaks against 
a word against the Son of Man. And that's what Jesus called himself, the Son of Man. He'll be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness in this world or the world to come. He's talking about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Some people had just attributed the works of the Spirit through Jesus to Satan. And he gave this stern warning. But do you see how Jesus gives such high regard to the Holy Spirit? How he honors him in that way? The Holy Spirit is God. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is God who indwells believers. Now, as Peter continues his great sermon on the day of Pentecost, we read the start of it a few moments ago, but at the end of it, Peter says these words. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Imagine this now. These Jews from all over the world who understood in the Old Testament what priests knew that to approach the holy presence of God wrongly could mean death. Now Peter is saying everyone, everyone who repents and believes in Jesus is going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that would have been unfathomable. To hear the words of the Apostle Paul, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. How can it be that the Holy Spirit of God, who in the Old Testament, one could not even begin to approach improperly the very presence of God, how can it be that now the Holy Spirit can indwell a mere human being who continues to stumble in sin in life. I know that from personal experience. I'm sure you do too. This speaks to the incredible cleansing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It speaks to the incredible completeness of what Jesus did when he died on the cross and our iniquities were laid upon him. It speaks to the incredible work he accomplished such that he bore our sins so that we might be credited with his own righteousness. And it is on that basis only that the Holy Spirit of God can indwell a human being and that your body can be the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's God. He's God who indwells believers, and Acts thirdly teaches us he is God who empowers believers. Jesus said this in the first chapter when he appears to his followers there. It's recorded, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is what we see. It's outworking. We see it being fulfilled in the book of Acts the power of the Holy Spirit through the witnesses of Jesus going everywhere with the gospel. And the question I'd like to draw us to this morning before we conclude is simply this, how? How does he empower you and me? What does the book of Acts teach us about how the Holy Spirit empowers us? What does he empower us to do? How does he empower us? What does that look like in your life and mine? I'd like to look at the example of someone in the 
book of Acts, who was not an apostle. His name was Stephen, and he became a deacon in the early Christian church. And I think we see three ways that Stephen was empowered in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit gives us first the power to serve. In Acts chapter 6, we read these words. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. What duty? The duty of serving tables. So you had to be filled with the Holy Spirit to serve tables. That's right. Pick out among you seven people full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, and will appoint them to serve tables. Do you know the Bible teaches that every believer should rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit when serving, when doing, when fulfilling the work of God. The Apostle Peter writes these words in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, where he's, he's talking about using the spiritual gifts we have to serve others. And he says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. That means if you're teaching three or four-year-old children in our Noah's Ark ministry, you should do that in reliance upon the Holy Spirit working through you so that those children don't just hear a nice, simple message, but they also see the love and the grace and power of Jesus Christ working through you because of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That means if, if you're calling people who are sick to pray for them on the phone, or you're, you're a compassionate person that perhaps has been given a gift of mercy by God, that you should do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. That means if you're a person with a gift of giving, and, and that is a spiritual gift, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, there are people who love to give, who have the ability to make money, and they pray about their giving, and they realize their giving is helping the kingdom go forward, that you should do that, do your giving in the power of the Holy Spirit, guided by the Spirit of God. Peter says, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God provides. Stephen was chosen to serve tables because he was full of the Holy Spirit. Power to serve. Secondly, power to witness to others. Now, Stephen, we read in chapter 6 and verse 5, was chosen because he was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Especially notes that Stephen was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. So, so what does he do? He's chosen to serve tables, but before we get out of Acts chapter 6, the Bible says God used Stephen to do, quote, great wonders and signs among the people. And then in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is becoming a preacher, a bold witness, and most of the seventh chapter of the book of Acts is a sermon by Stephen preaching every bit as effectively as Peter and later the Apostle Paul. Stephen, this man who was full of the Spirit, who was appointed to serve, 
is now spreading the gospel as a witness, preaching the gospel. He becomes a martyr. The first martyr of the early Christian church. As they gathered, people gathered around him, they were incensed at his preaching and they stoned him to death. Let me ask you a question this morning. Those of you watching our service, those of you here, do you ever witness to anybody? You ever share the gospel, the message of Jesus with people who aren't Christians? Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, everywhere you go. Be a witness by the way you live, but also by opening, opening your mouth to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes I feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting me to witness to somebody that I don't know. Somebody I've never met and just see seated on an airplane or uh, in a restaurant or somewhere. And I always, in my mind, immediately try to talk myself out of it. I don't think there's ever been a time I felt that way that I did not try to talk myself out of because I don't like to offend people. I, I kind of a bit too timid about that sort of thing, not wanting to be rejected. If it were not for the power of the Holy Spirit, I am certain I would never attempt to witness to anybody. Just about a week ago, I was, um, I was in our yard. It was a Saturday. I was in our yard for a moment. I saw some men working at a house in our neighborhood, two men. I looked out later, and one of them had, had left the yard. But there was a man by himself, and he was, he was sitting down with his head down, just like this. And it struck me, and I thought, maybe the Lord wants me to go over and talk to him, offer to pray for him. And I began my usual talking myself out of it, why I didn't want to offend him, all the reasons I shouldn't do that. And um, I'm not making this up now. This really happened. As I turned back and looked at him, he got sick. I mean, actually, yes, I actually threw up right there. And then I said, now I know the Lord doesn't want me to go and witness to him. Now I... I, 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 I just went on back in the, the garage. I talked myself out of it. I'm walking through our garage. I saw something in our, our garage I'd never seen before. My wife had bought a great big case of Powerades. Now, I don't drink Powerades. My wife doesn't drink Powerades. Our, our son sometimes does when he's home visiting with us. He works out a lot. He drinks, drinks Powerades. And I saw him there. And I thought, that guy... He'd probably love to have a Powerade. I said, I'll get one and I'll toss it to him. <laughs> and so I took one out there and I said, you look like you don't feel so good. Um, would you like one of these? He said, oh yeah. And while I'm standing there about 10 feet away, <laughs> he opens it, began drinking it. I said, um, I'd like to pray for you. And as I did, he shared that he had just experienced a really, really significant loss in, uh, of someone very close to him. And I think maybe that's when I began to realize that indeed the Holy Spirit might want to do something in his life. And I made an attempt, not sure it was a very uh, good presentation of the gospel, or maybe very abbreviated, but prayed for him and realized what a privilege it is 
if God uses, despite our fears, despite our weaknesses, if God uses us in a way like that. Praise the Lord um, for those kinds of opportunities. Stephen, unlike my timidity, he was bold. And he was emboldened because he was so full of the Spirit and he became a witness for Jesus. The power of the Spirit gives us power to serve, power to witness, and thirdly, power to love. As Stephen preaches his long sermon, as I mentioned a moment ago, religious leaders became incensed. And sometimes when the power of the Spirit of God is at work, religious people, People who are opposed to the gospel of Jesus will become very, very hard and resistant. And that happened. They were stoning Stephen to death, throwing rocks at him. In fact, the Bible says the people who were holding the rocks took off their cloaks and laid them down at the feet of a young man named Saul, who didn't want to get close enough to get splattered and dirty by the murder that was about to take place. They began stoning Stephen. And here's how that chapter of Acts ends and how Stephen's life ends. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knows he's dying. But notice this. This is the man full of the Holy Spirit. Falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, why did he all of a sudden cry out with a loud voice? Strikes me that a young man named Saul was standing some distance away watching over the cloaks. And Stephen shouts out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Surely Saul must have heard. And it's not much later in Acts. It's just chapter 9 when Saul on the Damascus Road has a dramatic conversion. We know him as the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 books of our New Testament, (coughs) who wrote the words in 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It was he who wrote Romans 5 and verse 5 that says the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It was he who taught that all followers of Jesus are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like Stephen was. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, after Saul of Tarsus is confronted on the Damascus Road, comes to recognize who Jesus is, that he is Lord, a disciple named Ananias, a different one from chapter 5, that Ananias died after lying to the Holy Spirit. This is one who's not an apostle, not a deacon, described as merely a disciple. This Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He became Paul, the great apostle, immediately began to preach. God used him to give us 13 of our New Testament um, letters. In Ephesians 5, the apostle Paul writes, 
this imperative, this command, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you have never definitely received Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, the Holy Spirit is the one who will be at work in you to bring you to that place. He is the one who convicts the heart of those who are not yet believers, of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. He brings us to Christ. And then, if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. But note, we're called to be filled with the Spirit. I think to be filled with the Spirit means to be controlled by the Spirit. Certain believers like Stephen are notable for having been filled with the Spirit, like Saul, who became Paul. I think a lot of us Christians go about life disregarding the Holy Spirit within us, not depending on His power to serve, not relying on His power to witness, not drawing upon His power to love other people. So Paul gives a command, be filled, be filled with the Spirit. Seek His power, His presence, His control, and His guidance to rule in your life, to guide you in life. Walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us power to serve, power to witness, power to love. And this morning, I'd like to pray for the Holy Spirit to do that in each one of our lives. Would you join me as we pray? Father, we come in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. And I pray for anyone watching our service today or present here with us who has never yet received the salvation provided by Jesus on the cross. Would you bring that person today to a realization of their need and to saving faith in Jesus. Father, I pray for those of us who are believers, but we have lived in disregard of the blessed Holy Spirit of the living God. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Let us seek your fullness daily. Let us live in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and love in the Spirit and witness in the Spirit and serve in the Spirit. And Lord, this morning I pray that your Spirit would bring encouragement to your people. To those who are struggling with school in a new year. To those who are teaching amidst all the challenges of teaching in this environment. For those in health care, Lord, caring for elderly parents. Father, for those who are isolated and lonely, pour out your grace. For those in need of jobs, bring your provision. Would you bless your people with the encouragement and grace of your spirit? And we pray in your great name. Amen.